Voice of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, we explore some questions. What if we viewed the kingdom of God as a reality that continues to unfold before us? What if we change the ways in which we interact with the world instead of being set in our ways? It comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Life of the church is a work in progress. That the church isn't, the church never arrives to one place and says, this is it, we're done. We're done growing, we're done learning, we're done uh, following all the things Jesus told us because we've perfected it. But we're constantly a group that is learning and growing and changing. So today, today we're going to talk about the question of, can we change that? I thought maybe change might be a good topic. I don't know why, but maybe it's kind of swirling around here lately. Uh, but you think about uh, construction sites. My, my dad's an electrician, and so I helped him on sites as a teenager. And oftentimes, there was a moment where the owner, let's say this was a new build for a house, and the owner would come in, and they'd kind of look around and see the progress, and they'd be like, actually, can we move that light fixture over here? Uh, and then, well, this one, this comic up there, that's, that's to, at the point of no return, right? But you get that where people want to make the changes even in the midst of building it. And sometimes uh, builders have to be flexible. Uh, I learned that as a teenager because I would help and I, I would have the task of maybe uh, running wire up to the, the um, light fixture or running the wire to a uh, outlet. And then I'd have to take that all apart and do it over again to move it. But you have to be flexible. And the church can learn from that. The church can learn from the flexibility of learning how to uh, flex when, when God is showing us something new in our midst, to follow God into a new reality and a new world. But most often we uh, address and meet change with kind of disgust and contempt and uh, just refusal. We don't want to do it, right? I have, I have two videos that are going to kind of show our common reactions to change. The first one is kind of more of a tongue-in-cheek uh, way of talking about change and people that refuse to change, and it comes from somebody named Red Green. I want to talk to you older guys about something you haven't done in a while. Change. Okay? People say you're out of it because for the last 20 years you've been dressing the same way, talking the same way, and thinking the same way. I say good for you. You stick with it. Somebody's got to stand up for tradition. And hold firm, because too much is changing. The phone rings weird now. Running shoes look like spaceships. Even the continents are shifting, but not you. You stick to your guns. You keep wearing those short sleeve polyester dress shirts. You keep spouting your opinions to anybody who will listen. Somebody's got to preserve what's normal and sensible in this world. And who knows? Polyester might come back. Maybe your opinions will catch on. People will think you're a genius. But so far, no change. Remember, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. (laughs) 
so that's a way if we think about change and making fun of the ways in which we refuse to change. This next one uh, comes from a movie called Hot Rod. And it's some, Rico is the character who is uncomfortable with this change of adding a girl to their group, their friend group, and stunt crew. Holes are perfect for holding water, man. Man, I don't really know about having a girl on the team, man. All right, Rico, listen. Um, there's an ancient Italian maxim uh, that roughly translates to uh, he who is resistant to change is destined to perish. So why don't you try to open up that mind of yours? You know, it's like, look at Kevin. I mean, Real mature, man. Yeah, don't you ever tell me how to live my life again. Oftentimes we react that way too. We're like, don't tell me how to live. I, this is right to me. Don't tell me how to change. Uh, those are the ways in which we react to change most often. Because with change, we often feel like there's a lot of things at play, a lot of loss. We're in a moment of drastic change, I think, and fast change too within our culture and our world. And we can feel the tension that it's creating, that when a lot of change happens, the default attitude and action tends to be to preserve or protect or revert. The brain makes us think that we need to protect a way of life because it's being attacked. Or we snap back further, right? We'll snap back and revert to the way things were decades ago to try and hedge the rate of change that is happening. But these are all futile attempts to stop change because change is going to happen whether you change or not. So, likewise in the church, this has happened many times over and over again. It's, you know, whether you think about worship styles, which are often called the worship wars. What's the right worship style to do? Uh, people come and say, you know, traditional is just very boring. It's not new. You need to change. It needs to be contemporary. There's ways in which we've dealt with as a church in the past in history about who should belong in church and who shouldn't belong? It's with the sacraments, too. Who can come to the table and who can't come to the table? With theology, any type of topics within theology, it's always been a constant battle of, is this what God is leading us to? One of my favorite quotes comes from Rob Bell when talking about theology, that at one point, every, at one point, the thing that we believe and hold true and we hold with a tight fist was heresy at one point because it was a new idea. Social issues with the church, whether it was slavery back in the day. Slavery was often told that actually the Bible says that there's a right way to own slaves, that it's okay. Interest on loans, the Bible says you shouldn't put interest on loans, but instead we ended up doing it and saying it's okay. Divorce, interracial marriage, LGBTQ issues. The church has always been resistant to change, and it's been hard for the church to make changes. So what makes us resistant to these changes? I think in a lot of ways it makes us, when we start to feel that there's a scarcity, that this is, the change is creating scarcity in our lives, and then that creates fear and change. With change, there's always loss. There's always loss with change. And then also just this feeling of great ungratefulness, because we view the change as this opponent in our life that is screwing everything up. So is there a piece of good news from today's passage, from today's scripture, the story that Sarah read, that takes us beyond a culture war, a worship war, a religious war, 
And I think it does. I think reading into what Jesus is talking about, some of it may sound confusing when you first read the story. Jesus is talking about, first let's talk about fasting, Levi and the tax collector joining in on a dinner. Then there's wine and wineskins and a celebration, a wedding party. So first we'll talk about the fasting. And so fasting, why that gets brought up. So the Pharisees and religious leaders show up and they're not sitting at the table with Jesus. But they see Jesus sitting at the table with Levi, the tax collector, and those who are deemed to be sinful. I've said this before in another sermon recently that uh, back then, the idea of the people you share a table with, that you're sharing in their status. And so for the Pharisees, you never share status with a tax collector. So that's, that's one ding right there for Jesus, right? They're coming in and being like, that's different, that's not how we do it. Then they say, you are eating and celebrating together, but your disciples do not fast like John's. So now they're saying, well, this is how we do it, and you're not doing it how we do it. And so fasting to them at that time, what fasting was, and what John proclaimed was that it's repentance and forgiveness for sins. And so beginning in Leviticus, there was Fasting was associated with confession of sin in the hopes that God would forgive so that they could avoid God's wrath. It was a way to kind of be like, God, please don't put your wrath on us. It also, in that time, at the time where they're talking to Jesus, it reminded them of the great destruction that was brought on Jerusalem and the people of Israel by their own sin. It kind of kept them in this place of guilt and shame. It's like, we need to repent, otherwise that thing that happened, the destruction of Israel, that's going to happen again. We need to not let that happen. So that's kind of what's going on with fasting. And Jesus, by not having his disciples fast, what he's doing, and Jesus always does this, and sometimes we miss it, but Jesus is always doing these things that kind of undercut things. And unless you know context, unless you know the history of everything going on at the time, you kind of miss some of the important details. So he reveals that he does not want his followers to dwell on the destruction that has overtaken Jerusalem in the past by not having them fast. But he wants them to focus on the coming of the kingdom of God, which promises ultimate restoration. And then he speaks of himself as the bridegroom. Jesus portrays himself as the beginning of the final restoration of Jerusalem when the Lord will dwell with the people and they will never again fear being cast into exile. So the fasting was keeping people and saying, this is what happened when we didn't fast and be repentant of our sins. So it kept him in this place, but Jesus is saying, no, 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 God is coming here and God is with you. You never have to fear again of going into exile or Jerusalem being destroyed. The coming of the kingdom is the coming of the redemption of Israel and the world so that the disciples of Jesus cannot fast because they must rejoice with the bridegroom who is in their midst. Jesus is with them. The bridegroom is with them. So then the wedding celebration. And this is one of those uh, stories or metaphors or pictures that Jesus paints a lot in his ministry, that the kingdom of God is like a wedding celebration or a wedding reception. It's used time and time again. That now is not the time to fast. 
Because sometimes we can get caught up so much into doing it right, doing church right, doing anything else right in our life that we must do it this way that, that it makes us stumble. That in some ways we think we have to outwit the church down the road. We start playing a numbers game. And then we lose our ability to celebrate. But this is all about celebration that the kingdom of God is near. So what Jesus essentially is saying uh, is party on. Jesus has a lot of sayings of this is a party, let's celebrate. So another piece of this good news is wine. Wine is the other piece of this good news. The, the, wine, the, old, the new wine and the old wineskins part of the story. This is to show us that it doesn't mean that the old isn't good, but it doesn't always serve the new in the best way. Because sometimes the new has shown us that there's abundance, that God is giving us more, that there are new things that God is continuing to do, that God, doesn't even, God just doesn't give us this thing that is ancient and tradition and old, but he continues to give us more and leads us into new realities, fullness, provision, that there is enough to go around. We could tie ourselves up in knots over changes and resisting them and or introducing them that we forget to stop and look around at the fullness of our own lives, the fullness of our lives together. Sometimes I don't think we pause long enough to marvel at that astounding fact that we've been given enough, that we have enough, that you are enough. Is that awareness of abundance in front of us not a result in anything but gratitude, that that's the response that we will have if we look around and see the abundance? And isn't that probably the best foundation for receiving the new? Because if we approach the new with fear and trepidation or a sense that we have to compete or warring with each other, whether it comes to churches, political parties, races, sexual orientations, we feel like we have to war with one another to see who comes out on top and who has the most influence. If we tiptoe up to the new, dreading the ramifications and the angry responses we might receive from others and the sense of disorientation that can cause, the new is never going to be welcomed as a gift. If we suspect there really is not enough to go around, enough love, grace, enough church members, enough money, then anything new is going to be threatening. Jesus often is presented as this conserver of the status quo, the tried and true, the traditional. This is how it's always been. Jesus did it, and now we do it, and that's how it is. But Jesus often, in his ministry, was promoting change. And we forget that because we've latched on to what he said then, and we're like, this is what we do. But in that time, it was pretty radical. It was upsetting people. It got Jesus killed. Jesus was promoting change most often. So what do we do with that dissonance then, where we think that Jesus is the tried and true, the traditional thing. Jesus is the same now, always and forever, but yet Jesus is still 
bringing us into a new reality and changing the way in which we interact with God and each other? How do we help each other discern what needs to be cherished and what needs to be released? Because there are some things that need to stay, some things that we can release. How do we know which ones those are? I think if we take our starting point of these images Jesus gives us in our scripture for today about wedding, uh, fasting, about the wineskins, it shows us that Christ is with us and gives us enough. That That is what Jesus is saying, that God is with us. Abundance is here. Then a different picture begins to emerge that we can change our perspective in how we view change and what it's doing. Different questions begin to present themselves, offering possible ways forward. Perhaps the new thing Jesus is doing involves calming our fears, releasing us from age-old anxieties. Jesus could be calling into question our increasingly fear-driven society that everything we do in ways that we try to protect and preserve, it's out of fear. Maybe this ever-present bridegroom is reminding us that wedding parties are not solo affairs, but there are other people. We're not alone, even and especially when we do not feel like celebrating. We are still not alone. Maybe the new thing Jesus is doing is helping us rediscover the importance of real human relationships within an age where our social disconnection is continuing to get wider and wider. Now, the possibilities are endless once you start asking these questions. Then now you're viewing things a little bit different. Maybe Jesus is doing this instead of saying, that's not... Jesus, that's not what Jesus would do. Being curious and open helps us view it differently. If Jesus is with us, do we share a sense of joy with those who visit with us? Do we show that joy? Do we express the good news in our worship together in our lives and in our learning and service together? Is everyone welcome to this party? If God has provided the wine and the wineskins, if God has poured forth abundant grace and blessing, can we first remember to give thanks, to have gratitude? Before wrestling with the changing cultural shifts, political battles, pastor transitions, building remodels, have we expressed deep gratitude for the life that we all have together? Because in the coming weeks, the next week, and the next month, and months ahead, it will feel different. It will feel like a lot of change has come. But will we hold on to the gratitude of who we are, who the body of Christ of New Hope is, together, and to be grateful for that? The next slide. If Jesus is with us and God still provides, we can look beyond the church walls with our fear in check to see who has been left out of the party or even locked out. That if God is always with us, what do we have to fear? That now we could go out and see who can join our party. Who can be a part of this? We could be the ones who help people find clean water. We could be the ones who feed people. We could be the ones who help people find hope. We could be people who help 
those seek justice. If Jesus is with us, we may not be able to do so in the old wineskins sort of way. Those may not be helpful anymore. As in, sometimes the church has often, the message has been, we're here to rescue you, we're here to save you, that's the mission of the church. Maybe that's not working out so well anymore. Maybe the new wineskins have more to do with Jesus being present with all of us. And some of us are just discovering a party that we never knew about. Celebration and giving thanks to God can be acts of protest too. Protestant often, we're reminded that the word Protestant comes out of the word protest. That's how we became a church, Protestant church, right? We protested the Catholic church and what they were doing in the Reformation. So the powers, giving thanks and gratitude speak to the powers of destruction and exclusion because it cannot stop the party because it's an open invitation. Come as you are is what God is telling us, what Jesus is telling us in this story. So maybe one of the ways that we can address change together, that we can meet it head on, is to change our perspectives. Earlier I shared the slide about uh, how we're resistant to change, but maybe changing our perspective helps us see it differently. So instead of seeing change as just having loss, we ask ourselves, what's the gain? Instead of fear and scarcity, we think of inclusion and abundance. And instead of change having this ungratefulness of like this change is forcing itself on me, I don't like it, I don't want it, maybe we think about what are the things we are grateful for in our lives. I think that's one of the sneakiest things Russ has done here uh, is the gratitude piece. I still remember when he first proposed it to staff because we did it as, at our staff meetings before we start with any business, we go around the table and talk about, what are we grateful for? Oh, drove us nuts the first couple times. Even me, I, the morning of, I'm thinking on the way to church, I'm like, what, what am I grateful for today? What am I going to say? can't say the same thing as last week. Uh, and sometimes, some days, you just don't feel very grateful. And that's really hard to kind of pull something out. But then we also put in there, What are you grateful for today, or what do you need space for? So if you're not feeling so grateful, what is the thing that is weighing on your heart? But even in those moments where you need space, there's gratitude that comes out of that. And it has has affected all of us. And I think, you know, in every midweek memo, we start with that too. We say, what are we grateful for? What are you grateful for this week? Starting there helps us to see things differently. Helps us change perspectives. So instead of clinging to things, we can have more loose hands and be able to see what God is doing because sometimes when we get too caught up in trying to fight back against things, we can't see a way out. So this next video is kind of an illustration of that.
I like that part where he's like, I know what to do. (laughs) Changing the perspective of the problem that they're in and all of a sudden it's a little bit easier. So do we want to create hurt, chaos, scarcity, and division when we are faced with change? Or do we want to face it with wonder, joy, humor, openness, and abundance? I think that's the question before us in our world, our culture, our society, and for us here at New Hope, in this congregation, this church, as we face this change that we haven't necessarily had to deal with for 26 years. If we remember that Jesus is with us, then we can face any change with joy, celebration, and gratitude. We are part of a larger party celebrating the restoration of the world. And that's how we should face change that is in our midst. Amen? Would you pray with me? God, may you open our hearts and minds. May we be able to see from a different perspective. In the times where it feels like we just keep hitting our head against the wall, help us to see a different way. Help us to see the new wineskins. The ways in which you are leading us into a new reality, a new way of caring for our neighbors, loving God, celebrating together this restoration that continues to happen that we get to be a part of. Pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.